The following podcast episode is a Studio Historias production. Welcome to another episode of Podcast Historias with me, Alfeca Perpetua, and this is your late night radio comedy talk feature commentary and interviews. In this episode, join it for another 69er, 69 questions where it's fast, it's fat, and it's furious. There is no question that my guest cannot answer. But before we begin another organized chaos, this episode is sponsored by Studio Historias, a production service for podcasts and radio shows designed to help you jumpstart your podcasting dreams through show concept and programming development, full audio production, show notes and distributions, and episode promotions using short-form video content on the TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook Reels and YouTube Shorts. Do you want to start your own podcast show today? Let Studio Historias help you out. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and just type our social media handle at Studio Historias. Shout out to everyone streaming Podcast Historias right now. I don't even know why you're listening. As you obviously noticed, uh, you're not going to learn anything here, but I do know that I make you happy. Like something kabalaghan happened the other week when Podcast Historias had to drop seven spots. Seven fucking spots to become top 69 in the podcasting charts just under the shows God Pod and Pleasurable Noise. I mean, what are the odds? And it has to happen in Nigeria. I mean, who's in Nigeria listening to Quartz Cortez? But let's choose bliss any time of the day, babe. So many things have had happened here in Cebu City since the last uploaded podcast interview, which was around November 2021 with Zane Silva of uh, Visayas Art Fair last, yeah, November. And it was a really, really good interview until Odette happened on December 16th. So Odette is the local name of Rai, um, a category five super typhoon that pretty much swept the central and upper uh, southern Philippines last December 16th. And it's really right on the gut. And you know how a few geriatric millennials, which is you know, exclusively Quartz's age bracket. I mean, not me. I'm 29 years and a half, hun. Like, a very wise Gen Z, but still young as fuck. But anyway, you know how Quartz's and the few geriatric millennials geographically describe the shape of the Philippines as this hunchback creature? Yeah, Cebu Island literally looks like a spleen. So it's like an island surrounded by the sea. So it was nerve-wracking because we had Yolanda back in 2013. So... I could practically remember people were a bit panicking about it, but they're not really sure. We're not even sure if it's a Category 5, if it was the same as Yolanda. But anyway, so when Odette hit the next day, the whole metropolis literally didn't have any running water and electricity in the next 90 to 120 days, which was an economical nightmare for a city that houses more than a million residents. But me personally, I'm still grateful because if it came with rain paired with our flooding issues here, and I'm pretty sure no one's going to be okay, for sure. I mean, that'll be catastrophic. So personally, I'm grateful. And it was a struggle. It was both a personal and professional challenge, most especially for the ones working at home, right? So can you imagine like you're working at home and you don't have the internet and electricity and running water? It was it was just really crazy that I had to cancel a handful of projects myself. So, and what's funnier, because there weren't any regional channels that could broadcast the severity of the damage to, you know, the rest of the Philippines and the world, I heard some major clients were even skeptical about the damages. I mean, they're still thinking and expecting that we're fine. Like on the 17th, like the day after that happened. I mean, Jesus, sometimes I still think Cebuanos at some point are still treated like a minority. 
I mean, how much more with the other Visayas Mindanao regions that had so much damage, like Shargao Island and Bohol? So, yeah, it was like pretty crazy, right, Quartz? Yes, very crazy. So, oh my God, the way you unmuted your microphone, ba? Can we? Can you? Can you please say that again, like properly, like a like a professional guest, please, right, Quartz? Yes, it was a very crazy couple of months uh, for most of us. Yeah, what do you mean by most of us? I mean, a few were were living their lives. Oh yeah, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> But did you even understand what I was ranting about? Or you're too busy finishing yourself off for your late morning, I don't know, like a hand job or something? You know what, whatever. I took a comment when you said geriatric, <laughs> millennial, whatever. So I'm going to take a comment again, your comment again. But uh, you know what, going back, it's just, just, you know, it was really crazy. I mean, uh, I don't know. Um, there is electricity that really does that to a person, I guess, you know. Yeah, those um, are basic utilities. Yeah. Like I, I heard from... Um, Cebu City was pretty much a pause, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, most especially here, I don't know, man, because me, when I, I went out for a walk uh, the morning after and the trees were, yeah. the <laughs> trees were, yeah, this like blockage of um, electrical posts, even the Jollibee sign that was like a metal tube, right? Like was, fell down and, yeah. and uh, the, the glasses were shattered. You know how it is. Like it, it really literally felt like there was a tornado or something, but. Uh, just imagine if there was rain and flooding that happened. To top it off, we were, um, it was, I think, the beginning beginning uh, stages of the Omicron uh, virus and everybody was out. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so at some point, uh, mid-January to February, everybody got the COVID. You got COVID? I, I got the COVID. Oh, well. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Well, whatever you say, Mr. Hope Hands. Oh, by the way, like you were promoted, right? Like you're, you're Mr. Hope Operations Assistant right now. Oh, oh my God. Wow. Oh. Positive net worth. <laughs> On the road to uh, positive net worth again. Shut the fuck up. I don't care what you say. You're just here to use your um, bloody college degree and um, we should be on brand right now. All right. Yes. I mean, yun eh, history and history and operations <laughs> manager. May pag nag, diba? Like, uh, operations management na like a gang. Can you not? <laughs> Can you not? Today, as in right now, we are joined by one of Cebu's most eligible bachelor of Barangay Bakayan. <laughs> Be welcome, Mr. Residential Revolutionary, Mr. Emil Quartz Cortez, the barbaric, freaky in the sheets historian. What's up, bitch? Hey, hey. Say freaky in the sheets. It's freaky. <laughs> We are going to find out the what's, the how's, and the why's amidst the incredibly complicated XYZs. So are you ready for some 69ers today, Mr. Operations Assistant? Yes. Balag obese, Mr. Ho? Yes, that is the goal. All right. Um, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to be freaky in the sheets. Awesome. 69 questions with historian Emil Kortz Cortez starts now. So this episode is an Independence Day special for the Philippines because on, like, we're recording right now on a Friday. So two days from now, which is Sunday, will be the 124th Philippine Independence Day ever in our lives. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But yeah, it's like the 124th Philippine Independence Day, which is derived from the to commemorate the declaration of the Philippine independence from Spain in 1898, which practically fall on a, su- on a Sunday and therefore Monday is a public holiday, right? And just like um, a typical court's activities and behavior, uh, it's just no work. I mean, practically that's the reason why you're loving all the holidays anyway. And every working class in the world, well, I trabajo basta holiday. Yes. 
That's it? That's all you're gonna say? After reading my fucking script, investing my saliva, and sakain it's akong apartment karon. Oh yeah, we're recording at the moment at home, so yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying uh, people appreciate holidays and uh, despite, you know, whatever... Gruesome. Uh, whatever the holiday, you know, <laughs> whatever that holiday symbolizes. I think, uh, right now, I don't think, you know, people care. It's just that it's a day off for the working it's a, class. It's a day off, like a... So let's start 69 questions right now. What does it really mean, like independence for a country? Like we're just not talking about the Philippines. We're not talking about Spain or Nigeria. We're talking about as, you know, as a country yeah. in a political, economical terms, what does Independence Day mean? It, it, it should mean that a country is, uh, you know, independent from, uh, it's independence from a lot of factors. Like, we're basically, a country is free to decide by for its own. Um, its sovereignty is un- uh, unchecked. No other external factors like, yeah, freedom in, in, in the broadest sense of the word, basically. That's, that should be independence. Independence from other you know, invasion or, uh, for lack of a better word, interruptions from other countries and stuff like that. Just, you know, free to do your own shit. So that means if like Independence Day is like independent from any uh, third party. From any third party, whether that be another nation, another, you know, another interested group that's, you know, free from that. And there are still countries all over the world that are not independent from like government, right? Yes. Some, yes. Somehow? Yes, somehow. Like right now? Like until now, but it really depends on what type of government you are. If it's parliament, if it's a monarchy, mo ba na sakto ba? Am I? That's right. Shit, am I really like accessing my fifth grader stock knowledge right now? But yeah, like it really depends on the type of government that you are. Because I do know that, let's say, Australia is still under the Queen's. Um, power right that's why they have like a prime minister but whatever it's, we're not going to talk about australia or the uk right now because we cannot represent because first of all we are not caucasians i do not look like a uk person or an aussie person we're just going to talk about plainly the philippines so tell us the story about like what's the story behind the independence day like tell everyone especially the people around the world uh what is the summarized short story of the philippines Starting 1500s. Oh my God. Starting 1500s. How would they know? Eh? I mean, like, independence, independence day man mga Pilipinos sa Spain. Do you understand? Like, we have, we have to start from the beginning. So, 1521. Once upon a time. 1521. Yes, we start with 1521. Magellan. Magellan dari sa Cebu. And no, not in Cebu, but in the Philippines, uh, more general term, and uh, discovered us, so to speak, in their, you know, in their language, in their own white, <laughs> white activities. in their own white benevolent <laughs> language. Oi, no dis- racism. Say <laughs> prayon ah, Well, they just dis- they set uh, foot here. Uh, they came to our shores, and uh, yeah, that was basically the start of three hundred years of. Uh, Spanish rule. Um, 300 years? Did they 500? No. 1500s could sila nabot niya. 1800s ang revolution. What's up with you? Oh, all this time, I've been like 500 years. <laughs> it's like math. That's not even history. That's math. <laughs> Sorry, I'm snorting. Oh my God. <laughs> Okay, so Spain kind of not we it did they didn't really conquer us. Uh, was it technically a, a, like a conquer? It thing? started off as um it, with Cebu that was um um no it started off as f- being friendly like okay bloody big establishing establishing uh good relations because that was the mandate 
um, by the Spanish courts, the kings and the king and the queen themselves. Yeah, like don't go there to start a war or to you know to intimidate or antagonize the locals. You establish relationships because first and foremost, the voyage, the main purpose was to actually acquire to to acquire spice to acquire something um, uh, because spice was all the rage in Europe at that at that stage. So Spain wanted to be. Capistis a rage, right? Yeah, ra- rage. Like, Justin Justin Bieber was the rage in like late 2000s but like you know in 1500s they were raging for spice it was spices no it's gold god and glory um no that that's just you know uh that's just a byproduct uh you get gold by trading for spices ah, okay mansplain me bitch all right continue <laughs> so they went here so they didn't really conquer the philippines they just came here to get spices to get spices that was one of the the mandates because it, it, it the voyage number one number one priority was economic it had to be economical mm-hmm. they had to spend millions just to launch those ships to our shores so they need to get you know the money back so uh, they had to get the spice that's number one number two nilang a mandate is to spread the word of the of God basically Roman Catholicism so that's the God part of God uh, gold uh, God and glory and Number three, and this is where it gets tricky, um, whichever land they land on, uh, if they find um, in their voyage, if they find land, they have to plant the Spanish flag. Where it's basically saying that, hey, this land is not ours because we set foot on it. And you won't believe how crazy that, that sounds because um, many people, have, they don't consider that people are already living in that, in that land. Let's like say, for example, the Philippines, uh, we were already here. So they didn't actually discover us because we've been here longer than, you know, for a long time before they came here. So it's the three mandates. So um, I think that's the conquer part already. So when See, they... Try your, try your best not to be racist. Good quotes. <laughs> really try your best. I can feel it. <laughs> No, it was the mindset of the 1500s and you can't fault the voyagers, the explorers uh, for thinking that way. Sad. How I understand is like Magellan is Portuguese, right? Yes. And he didn't get any, I mean, this is just like really preschool textbook. What I know as a non-historian, I don't like history at all, which is kind of ironic because I'm doing a history special episode but I, what I do know is Magellan is, in, is Portuguese and then he went to the Spaniard king yes because <laughs> for support because he wants to do the traveling thing so it's like a voyage to not necessarily prove the world was around but to prove that there to are prove that they can access yeah because at that time uh, there was uh, the, the Vatican I, I forgot the name of the Pope but the Vatican at that time um, they separated the world Ambugiro kay Portugal ug Spain kay sila ra jud ang nagtagiya sa world kay the Vatican separated um rights to explorations but the right side of of the world belongs to Portugal and the left side which is Monasha and the Americas belongs to Spain so that was the the partition uh that the Vatican made and Magellan wanted to prove that you can actually connect because the spice islands belong to the Portuguese side of of the demarcation line. So Margellan wanted to prove that by traveling west, they can still arrive east. And as a byproduct, by accident, they discovered that the world was in fact 
round. Yeah, so it's just like a byproduct or not necessarily the goal to prove the yes. world is, you know, spherical or round. Uh but was it the same voyage uh with Columbus discovering quote unquote the Americas? No. Columbus was uh I think a bit earlier they they discovered the Americas around 1400, so Ah, so they have the route now. They had the route, yes, and uh Magellan basically just, you know, um studied the maps and found uh, um, there was uh, an, uh, an easier way off of the tip of South America to, to cross it. And uh, that was very revolutionary at the time. Yeah. And it became like, of course, duh, because like everyone thought, I mean, everyone really thought that the world was just flat at some point. Yeah. yeah. There was no proof. So it was an innovation. So like a like a revolutionary, yeah, yeah revolutionary. The funny thing is though, it, it may have been um, general knowledge for the local populace, but The sailors really knew, um, those who were, you know, in boats, they, they knew that it wasn't round. Um, the, what do you call this? The, the one who's gonna, um, studies the stars? Astronomers. Uh, the astronomers, the astronomers knew, right? They had like very sound, solid theories that the world was round, but it wasn't really, you know, how academic papers are. It's just, you know, a few. Uh, sila lang sa, they have their own world. Yeah, they have their own, <laughs> sila rin na kaibaw, siya flat, yun, but the local populace will remain as dumb as they, they always remain. That's when it started. How I understand, Magellan kind of like really created a, a new pathway yeah. for the trading, the galleon trade, for sure. Because like you said, it's more an economical, we need more spices. And they landed in the Philippines, specifically in Cebu City. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, like uh, there are a lot of tribes already uh, pre-colonial. And then they kind of like colonize with all the whatever. I kind of wrote this on the show notes. Uh, I actually like um, uploaded mm. the, the the Virgin Mary uh, episode from like episode two. It's like an excerpt. And I, I actually wrote about this, that the galleon trade housed a lot of various personalities, right? Yes. Very. So we're not really getting the best <laughs> white people. We're not really getting the best uh, characters in the world. It was even like documented by a priest at the time that there are already like abuses and s- slavery in the Philippines. And it went on for 300 years yeah. until I mean- the Independence Day. And that's what I'm going to ask you. What were the instances that triggered this revolution in the Philippines? Okay, so from 1500s to 1800s, um, it's usually it's really just you know this ebb and flow, this back and forth of of aggression and and, and being friendly um, with with Spain. And uh, well, first of all, you have to understand that mga these Spaniards who came across uh, who came to our shores. They can do work. Their mindset is they can do whatever they want because they're far from the eyes of the king and the Spanish authorities. So, Marisha, uh, freedom. It was freedom for them, but to uh, do whatever the hell they want and make a name for themselves in these new, these new territories. So, kanang, of course, the abuses of, uh, happen, um, because of that, uh, way of thinking. And, and, uh, Monasha, so for 300 years, uh, one of them is, uh, slave labor. So when we finally participated in galleon trades, they, uh, the Spanish authorities, the ones who were in the Philippines, they conscripted locals to work on the ships. So build the ships, get, uh, so from, uh, from scratch. And they didn't have any pay. Well, wala pa may mga, labor rights at the time so they were they weren't paid but yeah I, i think they were fed but um but they were really worked uh, like a horse uh, by then so murag um uh, 
that, that was that was uh, one of the many gripes and then for many years um sa kwan pod sa religious sa religion aside the spanish priests or the missionaries were kanang um, converting asman to roman catholicism and some of us or many of us have actually more uh, really really adapted to the roman catholic religion but like um we we wanted we wanted it we really liked it and uh, some of us actually became chose to serve god so some of our ancestors did that and they were kalimot usi term na promoted to being campaign priests ah okay oh. leveled up so they were shag nahimo um priest but the thing is uh spanish ang katong mga spanish nga uh, friars they don't want uh filipino nga mga priests to kanang sila mo head sa 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 parish oh, yeah. which is caused uh, a rift between uh so there were also kind of minor rebellions uh, about that um, in the 300 years. So you're telling me if we're going to uh, compare that with the working class at the moment, the kan kay mga reklamador. Oh. So kung sa opisina pa ni, na ay bagong alo, yaw-yaw diha, mag-campaign, mag-resign, kina mga yana nga dating. So that's what you're telling me. And that's what was happening at some point. Like the, the only thing that we can do is just imagine, right? Like we really don't know what really happened. We're just basing everything from whatever was written by academics, yeah. but textbooks and, and, and testimonials and diaries. But just for common sense, we can imagine, like, let's say, they called us Indios back in the day, right? Indios yes. is practically derogatory. a very derogatory term, but it's, it's, it's they use for uh, the natives, the Filipino natives. Yes. So they called us Indio. They were practically the, the lowest, <laughs> the lowest um, uh, status in the society. And uh, but these minor rebellions were just super minor, and it and because of the geographical uh, shape of the Philippines, it's just really kind of difficult to have this unity kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, okay, wala ba social media sa una? Yes. You know, like a makikibaka sa bakulod. Why do you kang late The only the best thing they had then was. Uh, newspapers, uh, which was heavily yeah. controlled by the Spanish authorities, Japan. So the type of news you get is more borderline propaganda, na such and posters by you know yeah. by individuals, which was also sort of contraband or illegal, especially if it was spouting kanang mga kanang mga notions of freedom and independence stuff like so that. So th- imagine that, guys. Like newspapers, dissemination of information is like really controlled and um, by one party, which is the, the colonizers and the Filipinos, the, the best thing that we can do, okay, we don't have that much freedom, was creating a secret society, right? Yes, yes. The, which is the KKK. But again, we can only imagine and we could, can only compare it with modern day cases. Um, but at the time, the population of the Philippines wasn't as drastic as now, which is like you, you mentioned when we were brainstorming that Cebu only had around 30,000 citizens, right? Are you talking about Cebu City or Cebu Province um, or are you talking about Region 7? Uh, okay, uh, because that gets a bit technical. Uh, because Cebu City um, for 1500s to the 1800s was the capital. Only belonged in the uh, uh, vicinity where Basilica, Santo Nino and Cathedral is. Oh, That's okay. how small the city was before. Everything else is an outskirt. So Kanang Labangon, that's already an outskirt. Parian is an outskirt that's delegated to the Chinese community. So that's you know uh, that's not part. That was that wasn't part of the city. So Cebu City residents are only about ten thousand. But 
if you include the locals, the, the Indios who are living in San Nicolas, Pasil, uh-huh. uh, we would total to about 30,000 individuals. Ah, okay. Okay. So Cebu City, back in the day, was just, again, what you're telling, telling me is the Capitolio Santo Nino uh, Cathedral, right? Diharagid. And then Cathedral. beyond yes. those, which is... Lahog Gordo Avenue, it's outskirts. Yes, Lahog right? is a mountain. Yeah, and you were even and you were even telling, you even mentioned this with your interview with Carlo Villarica that sa kapitol ng area where monkeys belong. <laughs> no, it was it was a uh, it was um, during the proposal that uh, the new capital building be built. Uh, where it's located now, and it was lambasted. The, the decision was lambasted because it was very, very far from the city proper. The, this was the 1920s already, huh? so oh. 1900s. Then, oh, okay. And uh, pero the fact that that happened in 1920s, that means somewhat na bukid bukid ginadihadapita. Yeah, the forest. It really took a long time. Cebu City may have been the first city ever in the Philippines, but it took a very long time for us to be to actually look like a city. Then Manila, you know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so again, Magellan, if we're just going to refresh, whatever. Magellan landed in Cebu City. Yes. Right? And then had the Mactan issue, which is Mactan is another island. Can I go? We really have the tribal, yeah. uh, tribal culture, of course, because again, of our geographical shape. We are a group of islands. It's just ridiculous. It's, 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 it's unfathomable. unfathomable. To imagine there's such thing as like this type of unity when it comes to land-based, locked, landlocked-based um, nations, like let's say in, um, let's say what North America. But even in North America before, it was like just really, it's like continent somehow, right? Yeah, a continent in North America. Oh yeah, North America. So unsa na lang if isla isla. So imagine 1500s to 1800s, and then you said the city proper was around like Santo Nino and and the cathedral, and then Diba, yeah. like the Cebu city was the capital at some point of the Philippines, and then from they, um, by 1565 they realized it was just crazy. It was just crazy because it was very hard. Okay, ang atong shores, and you would probably know this because you're fascinated with. Shut the fuck up. Continue. Focus, bitch. Uh, we had, uh, our shoreline was very bad um, for for ships. Yeah. So, uh, when Magellan came, yan na, namatay siya dari. Um, um, the next one came, nakalimot ko pangan. Oh my God. What a, what a historian. 1565 was the next voyage uh, for Spain um, to the Philippines. And then, when they arrived in Cebu, that person was like, nope, this this won't do. This is just... <laughs> nope. <laughs> No, this one those not working. Not working for me, but not working for me. Uh ships will always be in bad condition because of our shores. So what they did was yeah. uh um they they scouted the other islands and they found uh somebody found Manila Bay, which if you look at the map, it's actually Nindot Shack. Uh, number one, it acts as a natural defense fort- fortress. So for invaders, it's perfect for yeah. for defense uh, positions. But because of how it's structured, how the Manila Bay is structured, mm-hmm. and number two, better on shores. Dito. So of course, by fifteen, uh, sometime after fifteen sixty five, they moved the capital to Manila, and Cebu was left. Nobody was, you know taking care of us. There were only a handful of, even the Spaniards from 1500s to 1700s, n- nobody wanted to be assigned 
Gusto sa buhok. <laughs> inala siya kamingaw, inala siya, inala takaluoy. Hindi um, naman luoy, we. They just can't take they, it. Luoy, luoy siya in a sense because Manila, when when the galleon trade started in the 1600s, Cebu wasn't, we only participated in the 1800s. Liman ka na, there, there's 200 years uh, of unchecked uh, development sa Manila because of, you know, constant participation sa galleon trade. And we only participated in the 1800s. Yeah, usap ang yun ka barko ra, gihatang sa tua. So, inalata ka delayed. And we should be jealous because we were the first city oh, Okay, All I can say is, okay, again, going back, they had problems with their... Can you imagine, Alanga, you have a you have a sports car and yet Do you want to park in there, girl? No, you don't. So let's just... Let's just Margin, yeah. Again, if we're going to, to compare it with modern-day cases, these fuckboys are not going to park their sports-ass cars in a lubak-lubak shit. So we just really have to understand that there's like this geographical uh Yeah, issues. geographic. Okay, aside from the waters, they also found that Cebu is, Cebu is basically limestone. Cebu City is just, you know, limestone. And yeah. they, they can't plant the crops. The You know, they can't, um, agriculture was bad here. So that's why they opted to move. Manila was the better option. Yes. So the- if you look at your Google Maps right now, and if you look at the Philippines, Luzon is more or less more land. Yeah. Flat. Right? And then, yeah, just flat land, the head. Again, going back, it's like a hunchback creature. So Luzon is like the head area. It literally shapes like a head. And then around the Visayas area is like these channels of of, of in between islands. And, and, and going back with the ships and whatever, it's a coralline island. So corals ba? <laughs> Landform nga made by made from corals. Of course, hait hait gina di hadapita, right? So mga buslot ilang mga ilang mga fuckboy ships. But then what's weird is if you think about it, and I'm going to transition now, like all this Cebu thing, which is the Visayas area and the Manila um, issue. I mean, there's Mindanao. So that's my next question. Of all these um, economical power, whatever, complaints about Cebu and Manila, what happened to Mindanao at the time? Oh, Mindanao was like... <laughs> I mean, if you, think, if you look at it, Mindanao is like, a really rich yes. uh, territory in the Philippines. Very. Currently, right now, most of our crops in, Vis- in, 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 in Visayas come from Mindanao. Even the avocados, uh, the, 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 the stuff that we get from, from, from the ports here in Carbon yeah, area, in the ports, yeah, Pasil, whatever. It's, yeah, ngikan man sa Mindanao. So, did, what, what made the, the Spaniards not try to go to Mindanao? And you have a story about that. And it, it, it deals with the Mindanao history with the Muslims and Moors and Moro pirates. Yes. The thing was, um, before uh, Spain started their uh, expeditions in the early 1500s, they had just been into a war with um, the Moors, M-O-O-R-S, Moors. So these were Muslims um, in, in, in Europe. And I think it, the war went, raged on for so long. Uh, they almost lost. Uh, Spain almost lost, and uh, but they won eventually around 1492, I think, um, early or early 1500s. And uh, so th- th- there's already history between Spain. Yeah, Spain said, and also you know, Spain being this Christian, heavily Catholic, Roman yeah. Catholic Christian Quanjidba. So um, they look at other religions as other religions as heathens and whatnot. So they really have this. Um, this bad impression of Moors and Muslims. And no, it's not really a bad impression. It's just PTSD. Uh, yeah. 
trauma. That's it's just yeah, trauma. That's better. That's a better. <laughs> so again, going back. So this is what happened, right? Magellan came here, hooray! And then he was killed by Lapu Lapu. We're not going to talk about Lapu Lapu. I mean, there's going to be another episode. Yeah. And then, then in nineteen six in fifteen nine fifteen sixty five, right? Fifteen sixty five, another voyager came here, and then he said, "Nope, nope, not so, working for me." Balinsa Manila, and uh, uh, well, they were here for uh, I think a few months. But that was enough for them to decide that no, this is not working. Yeah, so just very strategic, very I know, very businessman <laughs> thinking. But then imagine if they had the PTSD, they're traumatized by. Like, we're talking about history here, huh? We're yeah. not trying to be like religionist or whichever. We're just talking about history and then try to again compare it with our modern day cases right now as people, just like common sense. So imagine they did say, "Nope, not Cebu. Let's go to Manila Bay." And <laughs> hey, maybe something. It's a small, it's a big sea, but there's like a, it's, it's such a large, whole sea. I mean, in the marine science area, that's where the blue whale, you know, there's so many. Um, yeah. It's more or less a really good area to, to nest or whatever. But at some point, but then when they found out that they're Muslims yeah. and whatever, so nope, they said nope. So that's why Mindanao was pretty much like, they, um, but there's, they didn't, it didn't stop them from trying to work. Where's um, <laughs> nope. It's like they tried, like, nope. They tried and then they got defeated, they got hacked. I don't know. It's this, this Spain. There, was, there, was there any um, any written accounts with uh, Mindanao history between 1500s to 1800s? Yes, I believe there are. In the Philippines? There, are there are written accounts. Are. And the uh, point is, um, Spain has always struggled with, with dealing with. Um, kaning, uh, there are tribes in the Philippines that are really warlike, and uh, that I'm not saying this as a bad thing. But are, oh wait, are you telling? Are you telling me ng mgita na gubot? So diyan na nato nakuha ang ato. I mean, aside from Mindanao, did you did you also know that walasan na nila ma infiltrate ang mga Ifugaos? Ifugaos were basically technically free from Spanish reign. Kaya every time they tried to climb up those mountains, amusugat nila mga mga Ifugao niya. Where like, and this is documented that they have swords that are more siya kanang half moon, kanang crescent ba. And they actually uh-huh. behead uh, uh, the, the Spaniards. You kanang, mean a, sky, a sky? Scythe. Uh, scythe. Na ba? And... Um, so if the expedition fails and these the Spaniards are beheaded, if they try a second time, the heads are actually displayed on poles in the routes. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is not okay. But, but it, it's, it's funny but because Spain is like, you know, this always this grandstanding we're the better, you know, thing and then but they don't know shit. All of a sudden we're a, they don't know we're shit. A, oh, Ilanaba. So that, that's also the same with uh, with Mindanao. They can't because at one point, yeah, Mindanao also had its own struggles because the different uh, communities there, the different tribes, they were also at war with each other. At war with each other. Uh, so, uh, mga local, uh, yeah. mga local, ano, sa to, sa to term? Community, community wars. War. <laughs> but for this time, it's not imaginary. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> imaginary. It's just like mga local so community wars. Could, we're also learning that even before, naanagid na mga, mga inside Mga, oh, na, not really inbred, kind of mga inside issues and whatever, because tribal lagigyud atong culture here in the yes, Philippines. Yes, and so. it's not our fault, because again, it's it's all about location and environment. Um, the Philippines really is an archipelago, 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 or archipelagic kind of like geography. So uh, when it comes to 
uh, political ambitions or whatever. Lisud-lisud yud siya. Naagi for sure, pero lisud-lisud yud siya. So what you're telling me is that in Mindanao, they also have their own issues, tribal wars, and they found peace in Manila Bay. And that's when it became part of the galleon trade, right? There's some Manila galleon trade. Naji route, and I remember, I, I write about yeah, it. Uh, on, Manila Acapulco Ma- Manila trade. Acapulco trade. And, and d- during those trades, apil na pod ang Guam, right? Okay, mga islands sa Pacific, ba Guam, Polynesian, whatever. Um, yes, yeah. yes, I think so. So so the trade is from Manila to, uh, from Manila. Basta Paduna, California. Basta oh. na, na direct trade Mexico. to California. Manila, Mexico, yeah. and then Mexico or Acapulco, and then Spain. So Manila, Mexico, Spain. So Murashag Highway, guys. Ba? Yeah. Murashag, sorry. It was a long it was a It was a long-ass highway, but for ships, uh, just to trade um, things. And within it, are just culture yeah uh, within it are just not filipinos or spaniards within it are also chinese merchants yes. who participated with the whole thing so during that time while that was happening again going back various um, population uh, crew mem- crew members including mga mga prisoners diba <laughs> mga karag, uh, deported um, and then he people yes. who did like crimes wherever and then Oh, diri lang. So, can you imagine those types of characters and then what the kaibaw nagpintinatiyanay na sila diha on sa diha onya nagpretend-pretend nga priest sila. Even the soldiers, ha, you have to understand that soldiers are not actually, they don't belong to the nobility class. So, they're really, in terms of batasan and personality, yeah. the Spanish soldiers here were really they could literally, bad people. They could literally yeah. just pretend. I mean, like anyone would. They could just pretend like, hey, I'm the I'm the son of a duke or whatever. And then they just like create their own life here. And um, yeah. going back, uh, we were literally, uh, well, obviously, away from the king's eyes. So we just had our own yeah. um, shit going on here until these specific, personalities and names came up and one of them is Rizal Jose Rizal so what's up with Jose Rizal Jose Rizal was the original fuckboy without <laughs> Rizal was um, you there, there, there's always so this is around 18 yeah, late 1800s. 1800s was he like what was he born again no not early, early 18, 18, late 1800s, 1800s okay, going to 1898 ah, okay, so, okay. so oh, everything that has happened again going back the 1500s to 1800s so Kenang, they were trying to create like a port, whatever, galleon trade, um, yeah. uh, these fake people coming here, prisoners, whatever. So that's okay. that's that's our yeah. people na in the Philippines at some point. Also and then Rizal came and what happened? No, um to add more to the context, um remember that Rizal is a mestizo and that's uh, a very specific kanang mestizo nga class mestizo basically means mixed man diba? it's a class good here in the Philippines mestizo is a is basically a class there's the locals there's the Spaniards and then there are the mestizo class which is just, just don't 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 walk into eggshells there's the Spaniards there's the Indios and then there's the mestizos the mestizos the mestizos are unique Actually, to um, it's a unique culture to colonize uh, countries, so um, Philippines and other colonized. Nagidnes mga mestizo. Mestizo is a product of horny 
<laughs> you just really have to say it. Well, you have to say it because, you know, the soldiers arrive here and then they take months to make sure that the, the space is, you know, fine and, and safe. And then they send word to their families that, hey, we can transfer there. And that takes a few months pa before the word arrives. And then their families, uh, their wives prepare to leave. That takes another few months. Imagine in all those time, what are they going to do with all that? Sexual acts with the Indians yes. and produce a light brown citizen of yes. the world. That's that. And Monasha. yeah, and then it's like a product of ten thousand people. Rasa sibu Hormones. That's a product of hormones. <laughs> so yeah. So, but they became a class. Like this is actually a class. Like there is a group of mestizos who really stuck at the fact na. Yes, because um, mestizos ragyud, they're sila. They're not gonna mingle with Indios for sure, right? Because yeah, they had the kwan um, The mestizos were like, uh, if we were to compare, they more sila middle class, seguro, because if they were rich enough to be able to to study outside, you know, to study outside, live in you know good houses, have servants attend to them, but have hacien, uh, like a hacienda, uh, uh, and uh, they were also. Poor enough because you know the Spanish will, will always see them as half breeds, you know, uh, having dirty blood by because Indios. So they had that misfortune and fortune at the same time. And Rizal was, and like many of our revolutionaries, was a mestizo. And uh, the the reason why, and the, the reason why I, I mentioned mestizos is because the Galleon trade has brought that um, that um, fortune. So with the, it used to be just Spaniards and and Spain for many years but with the galleon trade and you know uh, Spaniards marrying off the locals and creating mestizo offsprings and creating this uh, this another class but this class sort of like rose above the rest so they became like uh, they were wealthier than, than the locals so in the local communities in the local towns barrios kay nana na mga few a few families that are for uh Gitawag na specific places, right? Yeah, like dynasty. Prince, yeah, dynasties, principales, royalty. Na, yeah, royalty. So, so this is what you call the um, elite ruling class, and they have Spanish blood. They have Spanish blood, yes, and they often dictate um, how their town is governed. Uh, so they they really have some um, sort of authority, but. In terms of and the Spaniards, instead of dealing with the locals directly, they just deal with you know the, the mestizos, the mestizos, and the the ruling class in the half breeds. In in turn, will deal with the rest of the population. So that's always been the the the, the dynamic, uh, always. So una, um, for many years of the galleon trade, so these mestizo classes, these uh, principales, as you call it, to a point that they can actually now afford to send their sons, their daughters. Uh, to to better schools, better. Um, um, in the late 1800s, they, you know, um, people were now traveling to Europe. Um, these were not traveling to Europe, and uh, this is where kanang they saw because Europe, uh, Spain, when they arrived in Spain, they saw, it was a totally. Can you imagine being in a place uh, in the Philippines, and then you go to Spain where it's hundred percent independent, hundred percent freedom. No one is, you know, bothering you. No one. We're, Really different. So it's really different from where they're coming from. Little uh, culture shock is an understatement. We're a grabby kid, siguro, uh, uh, awakening. Nila ba? We're a rude awakening, like it's siguro. <laughs> a 
no, no, you're no, 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 no. You're you're specifically saying Jose Rizal had a awakening, existential awakening. How old was he when he like traveled to Spain? Twenties, early twenties. Yeah. Imagine like your twenties, and then you're 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 an exotic kind because no one looks like you, and, and the girls, and you're charming, and you're smart. Can you imagine the pilakabuk babay yung na? What a, what a handsome man. You don't have Jose Rizal. Um, Excuse me. Did you know that Jose Rizal is like 5'1", five 5'2". Five He's a very short man. You know, you, what, what is up with you? You don't need, man. Like, if it's charming, like this, someone that we know, you know, <laughs> they're going to score yeah? a lot of guys. As long as like, nah, shy, I don't know. Anyway. So the, the whole rumor about Jose Rizal, again, going back, this is just a rumor and gossip. The rumor is he's a playboy. So he has a lot of girlfriends. And this is based from love letters, right? That was unearthed? Oh, yes. Love letters. From mga nosy people shit. Oh, yes. These are historical ones. documents. <laughs> yeah, right. Now it's called historical documents, but these guys are just nosing around. Ooh, there's a love letter. So this is based on hard evidence. And that's what Rizal did in Europe at some point, just educate himself. And then when he came back, like any like any Filipino, you know, like you come here, you work so hard, and then you go to, let's say, Amsterdam or Netherlands or Switzerland, and then you come back here in the Philippines, you would really start comparing what we can do better. And I'm talking about modern day experiences, to be honest. He didn't even need to wait to come back to the Philippines because... Remember that the two novels he wrote, El Filibusterismo and Nolibitangri, he wrote them while he was abroad. He was published in Spain. So he was really that woke. So Jose Rizal was a woke yes. Gen Z at some point in his, of his time. Uh, at some point, okay. yes. It was um, because um, you have to understand that uh, because people get the sentiment, Magud, and uh, you're, you, we were probably going to discuss this sooner, but um, I'll, I'll introduce Tala. Rizal was not anti-Spain. Um, he understands that the Philippines is too young to be independent from any uh, from from Spain or from, from, from any foreign power. He understands that um, left to our own devices, okay, we would just fuck things up. So he knows it. So what he wanted was uh, proper representation in the Spanish courts. Okay, right um, at that time, since there was no actual Filipino representative in the Spanish courts. We're just, they're just getting fed information but of the Philippines is fine. The people who are, you know, managing there are doing an excellent job. And, but Rizal knows otherwise. They're doing a pretty banged up job and they want that representation so that uh, our needs and uh, all our, you know, if our concerns are properly heard in court. So that's what he wanted. And that's one of the reasons why he wrote uh, those two novels, uh, Noli and, and, and El Fili. Yeah, and there's a reason why that was published in Spain. But it was because it was to get the the the, the general population of Spain to actually um, sympathize, start sympathizing and empathizing with 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 the Filipinos. And he wrote it in Spanish. He wrote it in Spanish. Yes. yes. So the original, so the original language for No Limitangere and El Filibusterismo is in Spanish. And remember, we mentioned earlier in the podcast, this recording, that there, there's no social media, there's only print. Yeah. And he was rich enough to have these prints delivered, wow, delivered, shipped along with him? Or what's going on with the with the printing details with Nolimitangere? He didn't bring the books here to give to the to the masses, no? because that, that's not what happened. Um, the way history is taught 
sa elementary because growing up that's what we always think uh, the Noli and Elfili kay gibasa sa mga Pinoy niya bro our bros ang ilang nationalism but that's that's not the thing yeah yeah nobody yeah. read it here <laughs> the people who read it here are the, still uh, those who have the capacity the mestizos, the mestizos like Andres Bonifacio Emilio Aguinaldo who in their mestizo cap- capacities were able to acquire these books <laughs> So you really are campaigning right now that mestizo is a class. Yeah, it's it's, it's a it's a society. Very unique. Mestizo yeah. is a society. They have their own means, and then at some point, um, and then they're the ruling classes usually. And sila sila rapod ang nai access for these, uh, for the books. Now, when you say it's a book, was it hardbound like any typical book in the 1800s? Yes. Okay, so it wasn't just manuscripts. It was literally like with a with a hardcover. Literally a book yeah. published. Yeah. How many? How for the original ones? How many books were published at the time? Oh, for Nolimitangir and El Filibusterismo. I don't remember. Um, for more than a thousand, for sure. Yeah, more than a thousand, for sure. Okay. Kay, it it. Uh, it was read enough um, to the point that the Spanish, even the, the, the Spanish authorities noticed. And Rizal was actually banned from returning to the Philippines. He he wasn't supposed to return. So, naabot yun. Na ang chika naabot sa Pilipinas. Naabot siya sa Espanya at itong time. Naabot yun ang chika sa Pilipinas. Naabot siya sa Spain at itong time. And the Spaniards were like, uh, this dude is bad news because he's spouting. They, they, they were the ones who, for, okay. who first thought that he was spouting anti-Spain sentiments when in fact, it wasn't really his, his uh, intention. Like, like, like right now, uh, around, was that not even a law for terrorism, right? Anti-terror bill? Yeah, anti-terror bill. Like, it's just part of that. If, if we're, again, what we can do is just compare it with modern day cases. So, Rizal at the time was creating like a fictional, it's a fiction. No Limitang Hiren El Filubistrismo is a fiction. It has a love story, whatever, like a fuckboy as he is. Yeah. But use that element to talk about what really is happening in the Philippines. And it has woke other mestizos. Yes. And at some point, Kesa may mga best friend aning Jose Rizal. Apilonario Mabini. Sila. Oh, um, B, uh, no, not Mabini, but uh, Luna. Antonio Luna. Sila. Uh, have you seen that film? Katong General Luna. There was actually a, there was actually a, a at some point, uh, and this is recorded history, uh, like duel, you know, like fencing duel si, si Luna o si Rizal because of a girl. Kauwi <laughs> eh. I'm sorry. So Antonio Luna is a general. The general of the of the revolution, the KKK. No, 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 no. Here, here, no, no, no. Here in the Philippines, see Antonio Luna is a general. Good, like he has a political seat. Yeah. In the Philippines or military seat, right? Yep. And he's mestizo as well. Mestizo. So na mga woke Gen Z mestizos 1800s, and these are the people Antonio Luna. Uh, who else? Um, the Luna brothers, Antonio and Ho- Jose. Lu- uh, oh, fuck. Uh, Juan. If you want to know more about them, you can watch um, Antonio General Luna in Netflix. Um, I forgot the director. Yeah. It's, that was actually a very good film. But, but I'm going to put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's a good film. And you can practically see. Because Maumato Nakaaro sa independence, Philippine independence, right? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, remember that uh, if the if the Spanish authorities uh, had the wrong impression of the books and they thought it was anti-Spain, how much more if the books were read by the likes of Andres Bonifacio Aguinaldo, they thought it was anti-Spain too. And uh, so that's basic, that was basically the inspiration. So, again, going back, 
Andres Bonifacio is classified as an Indio or Mestizo. No, he was uh, a wealthy, yeah, he belonged to the wealthy class. So Andres Bonifacio is a wealthy class still. Yeah. Uh, woke Gen Z, gehapon, right? Yeah. Pero more on activista, right? Kwansha kanang, um, uh, putting words into action, gina siya a type of dude. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that type of leader. Uh, and then Aguinaldo is what was Aguinaldo back then? Aguinaldo. Um, I'm asking stupid questions, but you're a historian, so you answer. Aguinaldo was also one of those rich. Uh, belonged to one of those rich families uh, again. Uh, also mestizo. Mm-hmm. He wasn't part of the founding or delicious parts of founding of the KKK because that was really Bonifacio and Babini's uh, brainchild. Um, but he was enticed very interested to join the mm-hmm. the the operation or the clandestine organization uh, kumbaga and uh, very soon rose in, in the ranks uh, while this is happening so while the results so if i understand the timeline there's like an overlap for this right so while rizal is in spain writing his book publishing whatever and then rising suspicions of terrorism Whatever is happening in the Philippines as well is there's a revolution happening now. The secret uh, society, which is KKK, katipuna ng mga. The KKK was starting to form, and uh, this is also what's the name? Was that again? What's the name? KKK means kataas taasang kagalang galang. Okay, guys, KKK means different in the US. <laughs> Those are that. <laughs> oh, but you're right. But in the KKK in the Philippine history is different. So what does KKK mean? Kataas taasang. Kagalang galangan katipunan ng mga nakalimot ko sa phone. Basta diara ko to bang kikiki. Yeah, so k- ka- katastaasan is like high level. High. Uh, kagalang galangan is like respectful, and katipunan is like a like a tapok, um, like a, yeah. not really a club, like a like a like a not really a cult, but it's a group of of revolutionaries. Hellfire. Yeah, hellfire. <laughs> It's a, it's a group of revolutionaries who want freedom because they were woken yeah. and triggered by what Jose Rizal did. So what I'm saying is, as a typical person, si Jose Rizal gudang rason nakatrigger aning independence, which is good. Sad, okay? It's it's also time for for us to be independent as well. Okay, dagandaga naman ta. Imagine they mixed with the Indios and we've got the mestizos. The mestizos were the people on the front line, uh, even though they can be called a class. But they were the ones who really pushed for independence, yeah. even though they've got Spanish blood in them. <laughs> Which should debunk kanang the way his, the way history is taught. Kay mura nila nga. It was a peasant revolution, chaba ang KKK gani. Which was in fact not. It was led by a yeah. very very wealthy. So mga kwartahan ni sila guys. Kaya mga true Indio unsa may lang ibuhat. Why paki alam? <laughs> no, dili manue nag farm. Yeah, nag farmers like we're slaves. You know what? I need to be able to eat. You know, a meal today. Yeah. So. so revolutionize away. So that's my no. next question now. Ang, ang, again, you said Mestizo is a class, right? So they have their own world and then the Indios or the locals good, just like the, the ordinary people. So of course, nasa siguro sila mga friends, friends. Oh yeah. You know, mga guapo. I mean, mga guapo ba Hello? Kagwapo ras mga 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 you know, very exotic women. Not just mga chika chika, sa siguro di ba? If you think about it, yeah. ba? mga chika chika, unya kanang mga barkada barkada nagdating like, oi, pay kibabaka. Kada press good dresa, San Carlos na to sa una good. Pay kanang 
na ay rally didto apil tana de gawe like wala kaya lao you have no idea what's going on but your friend said dali ato tana kaya na free food la rally rally didto you have some semblance of knowledge of of stuff and that's actually true because um while you know the ruling class is busy with organizing this clandestine operations and stuff the while the general populace is just you know um, go just go about their day with the work not really caring they do have a general idea of of these talks are the, the thought of independence very much lingers around the air yet in, in all of the philippines for sure at that point kai um remember looking at the bigger picture mexico uh, there was also an ongoing uh war in the americas where spain was losing Mar- revolution pod jaba sa mga mexicans so, kanin si ilahang ano kuan dito ilahapod nga kuan and of course you know with technology it it reached uh, um our shores um people were able to know of it and uh, apart from that kay uh, systemic abuse for pila ka years and Jose Rizal and yeah. kanang magtabi-tabi bang wiki ba mo si si sir kuan ba sir Bonifacio ba kay kanang kuan lagi kay karon kanang passionate na kayo. So, na yung mga inanang astorya ba? So, combine all of that, yeah. of course, the general populace knows that there's, you know, there was a general idea of, of independence. Yet, but I think the sentiment was just, you know, just toil lang yun. Trabaho lang, trabaho. Um, not to care. I mean, not really not care, but it's above them. It's beyond them. Ba? Para nila, it's not their problem. Kay, their main problem is really just, you know, being able to provide for themselves and their family. So that's what's happening behind the scenes and it's not necessarily like our um what do you call that like our problem said because again going back the Philippines geographically not just issues with unity because of how it was shaped to be honest. So it's very localized. Yeah. It's very that's true. Kinda targeted at some point um there might be a revolution going on but the fishermen just have to you know catch fish to feed their families. Yes, the farmers have to Farm. I had to farm uh, and 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 the, these rich folks who have the ability just fought for everyone and at some point they just represented the whole Philippines so the when the independence finally happened it the, there was of course practically like it won what i remember has always been the classic five peso bill yeah. so five pesos before had a green bill and at the back was the illustration of Emilio Aguinaldo waving the Philippine flag at a balcony, right? Yes, at a balcony. <laughs> I mean, that, I am just literally describing it as how I understand it as a layman, like a, as a little kid until like, you know, wala na may five peso bill karon. So, and then I remember we were taught about that. This is the, this is Emilio Aguinaldo, the first president of the Philippines. And maani ang flag wave against the, 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 the Spanish people and how it was taught to us. Books and we had this yeah. impression, and of course, you for also before you took histor- history in in college, like you said, like there was this impression. Yeah, everyone read Jose Rizal's book. Yes. There were mourning. Yes. There were thousands and thousands of mourning people when Jose Rizal was um, because Jose Rizal was executed, right? So because of what he did, um, we're gonna. That's gonna be another episode if we're gonna talk about like Jose Rizal exclusively. But how I understand, there were pictures. Yeah, he was tied at the back. And he had like a sack over his head and he was shot at yeah. the back by two soldiers. That's what and I understand. That's it. true. The part where you said thousands of mourners, okay. although they haven't read the book and their nationalism arose, you know, by reading them. They do know of Rizal because of the news. Nah, 
Rizales, persona non grata, he's writing stuff like this. Yeah. Kaligay yung storya sa mga silingan na, uy, kanang, kinsa din na si Rizal? Si Rizal bito na katong ingon si Kwan kay nagsuwat ko na siya bahin sa Kwan, anti-Spain. So, you know, kanang very generic information lang ba? So they do know result. They do know what his crimes, supposed crimes were. Yes. So, uh, and they can't help but sympathize. Kay, ay mo din na iyang nasuwat. Then, yeah, wha- wha- we should support the guy. And so, remember, like, stories before wasn't in social media. Yeah. And even, like, the posters and, and newspapers was controlled by the yes. the, the evil people. <laughs> or at some point, na siguro po na, eh. Mga ginagmay nga something. Pero kind of controlled yun kayo yung ilahang, ang ilahang media. So, puros na yeah. Chica, or how what I learned from my um, history teacher in in seventh grade or first year high school at the time. Um, they have these secret notes that they put in their skirts in the KKK. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> that's, that's how they like um uh, what do you call that? They disseminate information like that. So mga coding coding. So it's just chica. But at some point, for sure, a lot of Filipinos felt the same way. But then again, we have to compare it with modern day cases yeah. life also happens with them real time so they need to feed their families they need to do this but for sure ang mga yeah. woke sad mga teenager pares diri ba anong mga way trabaho wag askwila pinakaon <laughs> sa ginikanan oh kada nagapilapil lang pod aning um, mga soldier soldier kay diba remember there's this guy sa general luna oh no the second one nga they actually joined the army and militar at 17 years old 16 15 yeah that's how they young uh, that's how young they were yeah that's how young they were then. so it's just well, i'm thankful because if that didn't happen i actually wouldn't know I mean, I, I don't know, but like, but there's just like some passionate and and centuries of abuse and yeah. Jose Rizal triggering this and um, there might be like whatever, but the independence happened. But if you think about it, gamay rapod kayo ni attend atong Independence Day. And for sure, not everyone knew oh. that there was an Independence Day. And the irony <laughs> is, uh, and this has always been, again, going back to how history was taught to us, ba? Independence Day was declared because we were, you know, we, we won the war against Spain. We did not win the war against Spain. In fact, the war was very much still raging against Spain when the independence was dis- was declared. Both, both are Again, geographically, the Philippines is, there's a pros and cons with their geography. And, but yeah. the, the intention is there. Um, it might be independence in Manila Bay. I don't know. Where did that happen? The balcony thing? The flag uh, waving? Uh, in, I think I think that was in Cavite. Uh, Cavite. Yeah. But those were... Kay Mabinansya, di ba? Eight rays of the sun sa flag na to. It represents the eight Marag cities or municipalities na, that participated in the war. So, usana dito ang Cavite uh, sa Kuwait. Going back, if you want to go to Google Maps, look at the Philippines. Asa ang Cavite gang? Mona. <laughs> we compare it with Manila Bay, where again the, the trading is happening and whatever. Um, but then again, there's no social media, or maybe na chica chica, pero they don't have the money. There's no airplanes back then, gang. The, the 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 best thing that we could have practically is just like trains, and which is very localized as well. Oh yeah. There are no bridges yet. If there is a bridge, siguro at some point, it's not as com- competent. Mga five meters na ka bridge. <laughs> or kanang mga kalesa. Kalesa is like a kalesa. horse carriage. Yeah, so it's just weird, but it's significant. 
anyway. It doesn't mean uh, yes. localized lang sila lang diha, but it's significant. But it's because it's part of the Philippine history, which again going back with Independence Day, and I'm not gonna talk about 1899 and 1900s. Kaya like you said, the mga revolution French Revolution American American. <laughs> Bataan is something that there's like an ongoing revolution and, and, and loss of life and all that stuff. Yeah, but not to take away said kalang um so um just to set the record straight, we were still very much uh, with the in with Spain when the independence was was declared. But yeah. that actually still amounts to it really still holds a lot of significance because for the first time, yeah, a group of Filipino people who have kalang just really put their foot down and say, you know what, we're tired. And we want to be independent from you. And by declaring the Independence Day, it's like, it's manifesting. It's like they were manifesting. No, fake it until you make it. Where are you learning this stuff? From, from cor- your girlfriends? That's corporate lingo. <laughs> <laughs> so they call it manifesting, but for sure, like it's faking till you make it. Typical Filipino. If it's not it's not it's start of a Filipino government where Aguinaldo was the de facto. Uh, Kaya na siya murag kay martial law man. Nag-declare ang kikiki of martial law at mga time. But sa ilahara po, dito rapo sa um, katong eight provinces that participated. So I have a question when it comes to, so that's happening in Luzon, right? And let's go back to Cebu, you know, where Magellan actually started out. Let's go back to Cebu as usual. Like I said in the, the beginning with the Odette, right? I said like it seems like Cebuano seems like the minority still until we really step our foot like shut the fuck up we're not <laughs> so Leon Kilat let's talk about that okay. when did that happen so um, okay pretty much uh, the Tagalog insurrection the revolution began sometime in 1896 so by then of course a word would have reached the other parts of the Philippines especially the islands in Visayas and Cebu. So, nanay mga... Ikaw, oh, yun, ay chika-chika sila. Ikaw ba? Oh, nanay mga chika, naabot ah, na din. Nalibak na. Lahala, na yung mga revolution dito sa... Uy, na yung nag-war war dito. Remember, mga mga dalagita ba yan, mga Maria Clara ba yan, so pay-pay-pay-pay ba? <laughs> so, again, if you guys don't understand, like, the the Maria Clara is like the the symbol, it, it, it's a character in Jose Rizal's No Limitangere and it's 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 like the the, the symbolism of, of women in the Philippines where you know like we just fan ourselves and make chica behind the the, the hand to segue lang lang ba about Maria Clara but totally unrelated but, but there's a kwana siya kanang um, there was kanang na istorya ba nga kanang if you're talking to to, to, a, to a typical Filipina woman and her fan is closed that means she's not interested in you. But if it's open, that means she wants to be freaky in the sheets with you. So, I'm just saying what the books are saying. Can we just focus, please? So, there's no proper dissemination of information, but gossip, word of mouth, is faster yes. than the speed yes. of light. So. <laughs> For some reason. Yeah. So, when did the Leon Kilat revolution happen? What what year was it? 1898, uh, to be exact. 1898. So it's within the year when the Philippine independence was, was happening, declared. right? Uh, but yeah. June, we declare our independence day. June 12, obviously. Sa Cavite. Our revolution started in April. That's why we have uh, street there at 3 de April in Labangon. That was where the battle happened. The, 
the kanang the first gunshots were fired but and uh, okay go, going back lang sa so 1896 nagsugod ang revolution sa Manila although kita dire kay we were hearing we were only hearing about it uh, it's not really we're not we were not really participative we dili kita participative kay summer baya na nga panahon kainit sa panahon <laughs> na may pirate dire sa Cebu eh ginoo ko like you know if it again going back whatever is happening in the world And in science, it's always the temperature. So you want to fuck someone up, put him in a 15 degree Celsius room <laughs> and he will blow up. So imagine that was happening in, if June 12 was like the Independence Day, prior to that was the dry season. <laughs> so, init kayo ni. O yan, napagid ka sa islas pa Cebu, humid pagid ka ayo. Sige, ragpamay pa yung mga tao. Pero ang chika, mauna. So imagine ha, init ka ayo, niya nag-revolution, revolution na dito. Unya sa kainit, kay lab ka ng init tapod kay ulo. And what happened with Leon Kila um, and the rest of the guys? Kuala sa, uh, balik ta sa KKK. So KKK, is a clandestine organization that started it all the revolution uh-huh. but they they were very much still isolated in manila silara but now they started uh, recruiting um uh, sometime after 1896 they started recruiting outwards so oh, ilang hr oh ilang hr nila <laughs> yeah bagkatawa jud ka sa ilang recruitment structure kay mura gid sila kalang kids my hr i think that was the kkk was the very first kalang pyramid scheme in the <laughs> <laughs> okay, one person will recruit. Uh, one person will recruit two people, and then those two people will recruit another. Inala ba so brokerage triangle? KKK is the first pyramid scheme. <laughs> In a way, but it's not financially. It's not Ponzi. Just you know, the structure is pyramid <laughs> recruitment. So. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm not. I'm not kidding. Mo gila siya. Anyway, Leon Kilat was not even Cebuano. He was Bacolod. Hiligay uh, non. He was from Negros. Was from, so, yeah, if from for Bacolod. the people who don't know, let's let me just give you an example. Ah, uh, like a like a picture. So Cebu again, going back, it's like a hunchback creature. Ang Pilipinas, right? And then Cebu is like the heart of the Cebu island itself. Looks like a spleen, and then its neighboring islands are a little bit rounder at some point. So, uh, if you look at it at the map, Bacolod or Negros area, oh, Negros, yes. Bacolod City, Negros manadiano, Negros Oriental and Negros Occidental yes. is situated at the left part of Cebu. Yes. And then Bohol is at the right side area of Cebu. Bacolod. So yeah. uh, Leon Kilat is from the left side, yeah, Bacolod. Pero dool-dool, ibabaw siguro na dapit kay Cavite man ang area. So imagine lang ka sa direction of gossip ba? <laughs> right? <laughs> Nag-pyramid scheme pag sa KKK. So recruitment. Uh, naku, Bacolod. Yeah, it was easier to recruit Bangod and Negros because... Um, Oh my God! I can't. I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, Negros and Iloilo were actually the richer cities in comparison to Cebu at the time. So daghan kayo dato sa Negros because of the sugarcane fields. Mga daghan kayo mga hasindero dia sa Negros and Iloilo. Um, so it was easier to recruit. Murag um, they had more connections. The the elite principales in Luzon had more connections in Negros than in Cebu because there were more rich people in Negros, so they were able to recruit. Yeah, daghan man og um, like I mean, uh, well the, the people that we know yes. are from the hacienderos, the sugarcane, right? So daghan hacienda diha sa yes. sa Negros. So did you get what I mean? Do you get what yeah. I understand? Okay. okay, so uh, yeah, like again the mestizo 
class yes. is such a big thing in Negros and Leon Quilat is part of that. So you're telling me Leon Quilat is not necessarily like a, a pure Filipino. She's also no. mestizo at some point yep. and also wealthy. His, uh, re- his real name is Pantaleon Villegas. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he was also, he also belonged to the ruling class. The ruling class. Okay, so yes. continue. And the instructions were, once, once he was inducted into KKK, the instructions were to start recruitment in Cebu. So he went to Cebu, and he, um, he started his well, recruitment. And um, at this point, we've already established that um, there was all, people already knew what was happening in, in Manila. So Murag, it was only a matter of time before th- there was bound to be uh, sympathetic ears. Ba? to listen to Leon Kilat when he was recruitment. So that was a very easy thing. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, and uh, the ruling class was not always united in a sense, Banga. they were 100% for the revolution because some of them were just greedy bastards who were like, we don't want anything to do with this because we don't want... want no, Ikaoba. We don't want to be poor. Ikaoba. Yes, they don't want to be poor and they don't want to jeopardize kind of relations with Spain because yeah. these are, you know, very favorable for their families. And then if you think about it, like there's a Chinese community here in Cebu so mix napod with the mestizos. Yeah. So the business, it's all business. It's like business if I'm going to be part of this revolution, will it be bad for, for business at some point? So you also have to understand that kind of decisions divided as well. Like they can support you, but at some point not really like 100%. Uh-huh. Or maybe I can support you, but don't include me in the investor's name. There were people There were uh, people who were like 100% all in, get like kalang support not only financially, but just, you know, everything. And they were also, yeah, the passionate their ones. sons were also part of the, the revolution. So mm-hmm. there were people in Cebu like that, and one of them was Luis Flores, the first governor of, of Cebu. And, okay, yeah, he was really uh, um, an adamant supporter of the KKK, and and Leon Quilat, he was a staunch uh, advocate and ally. Uh, but there were a lot of the Cebuanos here uh, were really against the idea of a revolution because remember going back to what uh, we discussed earlier, Cebu was very very poor for. 200 years. It was only in the 1800s when we first started to participate in the galleon trade. You know, stand on our own two feet. At that early, early in, in its infancy stage, you want to mess it up with the revolution. That's why nobody, most of the ruling class were like, no, we we have a good thing going here. Why 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 do we want? If to you do? if if nothing is broken, why fix it? Yeah, that was the general sentiment among the um ruling class. It was seventy thirty at most, seventy percent against thirty percent for. But um, I think still, despite the odds, Leon Kilat did a very good job with the recruitment. Uh, he was able. To wow, get, yeah. <laughs> are you this managers? Kudos, kudos to Leon Kilat. <laughs> Even though thirty percent is such a small number. No, it's a good job. Like, Leon Kilat did a good job. such on, a rock star. <laughs> stop being condescending. Take a look at corporate link. Just, just talk like, no, just talk like a historian. I know that you're an operations bitch now, but talk like a historian. Be objective and get focused and 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 put that corporate shit aside. I'm going so anyway, so Leon Kilat was doing the pyramid scheme and yet like divided Ang Cebu as a whole or whatever is representing Cebu at the time. Only 30% wanted to be part of 
um, the revolution, but this 30% was around how many armies again? I, I think I wrote about that in show notes. He did a good job with recruitment. And because even though 30% is such a small number, he was able to recruit the very, very influential people. Like Luis Flores was one of the, the, uh, the, the biggest names, but that's also, that was also the problem because. Uh, if you attract big names, where the bigger the name, the bigger the risk of getting ah, okay. found out. Getting, and the Spanish authorities found out. Oh, the Spanish authorities definitely found out. And uh, Matonga botched actually a uh, revolution. I think they were supposed to um, start the revolution. You failed to mention. Yeah, that's also what we got from being sip-sip. Oh, yes. That's why it got <laughs> out. Because there are mga sip-sip, diba? Like Exhibit ah, yes. A, Quartz Cortez. So sip-sip, uh, gina. Of course. Operations. So, masip-sip, mo chika gina. Mag-pretend na, oh, bay, migo tanimo niya, ni chika na ito speakers. So, that's why I like it found out. Like, it's just, it's just practically human behavior, I guess, and human nature. Because they had planned to start the revolution in Cebu in, I think that was a good Friday. So, a holy week na siya nga time, ha? Na, 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 plano sila nga mo, start na sa war, ba? Or the revolution, the rebellion. And they wanted to do it on a good Friday. And, the Spanish authorities found out, so they were like scrambling. We can't do it on a good Friday because they will be prepared for us. They will be ready for us and we will all die. So they did it on April 3, which was, I think, a Wednesday or a Thursday. So it's uh, Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. Um, April 3? Yeah, April 3 is Palm Sunday. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's, Which was a week earlier. So what court is trying to say is like they have a schedule. Wow. That's oh, a schedule. Pyramid schemers. That's a schedule. So April 10, which was Easter Sunday. But then the Spanish people knew about it. So they decided to do it one week earlier, which is Palm Sunday. What a surprise, bitch. So they did it. And then talking about your uh, your estimated 30% support from the Cebu, uh, Cebu population to take part and participate on this bloody revolution, 6,000 revolutionists fought on April 3rd and won and now known as the Battle of Tres de Abril. Tres de Abril, yes. There's, uh, it was, but it was fought in the outskirts of Cebu City. Liman ka na outskirts, inaranas labang sa kuan. Outskirts na Wait, hang on, hang on. Wait, wait, sa, wait, sa. Labangon. Labangon. Muna na pits talisay, no? Layo na kayo na talisay. Wagi po kagpardo. I'm sorry. Where's Labangon? Is it Banawa area? Banawa area, yes. But if you're looking at just, you know, if you're, you just find the map of Cebu so you can find where Labangon is. But that isn't the south. South National Area, going to Talisa. So they didn't really fought like the Magellan guys in Lapu-Lapu. They didn't really fought at the beaches and whatever. Okay, no. na beta. Nana beta trains at tong panahon. Yes. We have trains na beta. So dito sila somewhere, I don't know, sa Bukid Bukid or like someone's hacienda. <laughs> <laughs> and the plan worked na to move the schedule ahead. Okay, the Spaniards were really caught off guard. Surprise, bitches. Like, sur- I don't get Surprise, bitches. Yeah. Vogue Gen Z's here with, uh, d- remember, like, kadang, dili pa dato ang Cebuato, right? Because you just said we just got the galleon trade, which is one ship only. We just started. Um, yeah. They were armed with bolos. And napod sila rifles as provided by you know, the, the elite class. Yeah, pero if you think about it, if you think about it, pyramid scheme uh, be ani so dili pagit sila ready kaayo. So for sure, wala gid siguro tarong rifles and balik sila with the tribal ways which is, you know, bulo, <laughs> bulo the scythe. Oh, ana nagpuntlanay og bulo. Lagi that that was that's why it was uh, even made more it was more momentous ba if you think about it, ang victory. Uh so that was a good thing. They won that day. 
And then Unya, Holy Week pagyud courts oh. during the Holy Week mao bin ang time nga init kaayo ang Pilipinas ano ang ang Cebu oh. so imagine ya ano pug ano pug ba ya ang Pilipinas I mean ang Cebu. strategic na siya kay kanang people were preparing kay kabaw na ba mga Pinoy at aning time very yeah. hardcore religious so very everybody but was will be busy preparing for the religious festivities which means nga ang mga guards ato nga time was gamay ra kay anong usa may gubutan nga kwan man siya nga ma, ma, semana santa man For the ones who don't know, the Philippines is the majority Catholic, right? Roman Catholic. So during this observation, during the Holy Week, so Palm Sunday practically starts off the Holy Week, right? So during Palm Sunday, well, currently in modern day, uh, people go to churches to do service and then they, they, they celebrate the palms. So they have these like palm crosses and whatever. So imagine that was happening in 1898 on April on a summer with the anupog and chinilas humid and hot nakainom na ng mga tubig um plus kana nag pyramid scheme pagyud so like the passion mura pag kana revolution na mga makibaka kada grabe ka feelings good on yeah you know Cebuanos man you know bisaya we talk this way because we also act this way if you're gonna piss us off be it off with your head so that's practically what happened and we won the tres de abril and um just so happens you know when that happened which was april two months later we had independence day yes. on june 12th with aguinaldo and cavite and speaking of that again the independence day going back the independence day happened and there's still like sets of battles and and wars happening even after we ha- we are declared independent somehow with Aguinaldo in it. Um, let's talk about, which is like a very controversial um, talk. And we're just not talking about this just to be anti-terror like Jose Rizal. No, we're, that's, that's not, we're not malicious here. We're too fat for that. <laughs> But the irony of EDSA revolution. So EDSA revolution, we were talking about this during our brainstorming sessions informally. When it happened in EDSA, it's just so weird because we, we know the story that Cory Aquino and her, their family hid in Cebu City, right? So I don't know because I, I've never asked my parents about that, like what happened in 1986. Well, how was Cebu? Did, did it even like uh, have a... Yes. I mean, media is already there. There's news. There's videos. Although the, the media was controlled by the Marcus regime. But if you think about it, when that happened in EDSA in Manila, what was happening at the rest of the Philippines? Um, in history, hard evidence, facts, go. Uh, so again, uh, if you were to compare it, uh, just, you know, just going back to uh, how it also was during the time of the Philippine Revolution, but, uh, although there was a revolution happen- happening, and while people don't you know, generally care because they want to go about their business, the general idea about There was all uh, of of the uh, of independence was already in the minds of the general populace, and that was also the same uh, when the Edsa Revolution happened. I mean, it happened um, again in the capital, which is in Manila, and so sila ang kwanila. But de ba ang Edsa Revolution was a series of um, non-violent days of yeah. Yeah, it was non-violent mga three days man yata, right from Feb 20. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Th- it's like a three-day event. So it's not necessarily just EDSA area. It was basically a culmination of a lot of things. Again, like the death of Ninoy, which was basically one of the major catalysts. And mm-hmm. of course, the years, decades of ongoing violence, abuse, and- uh, violence from the Quran. That was true in Manila. That was also true for 
the rest of the Philippines as well. So you can only imagine that when the Edsa revolution struck, the sentiments, the anti-Marco sentiments or the revolutionary sentiments were already in the minds of of every Filipino, no matter where you were, because you had experienced the same kind of um, abuse um, as the Manila News did. So there, there was already a building of abuse and then the news of uh, Ninoy hit Pagyud uh, and he was a very enigmatic man. It's like looking at, you remember looking at uh, videos of Miriam Defensor Santiago and just yeah, yeah. saying to yourself, that's how a senator should act. So it, it was the same. I think it was the same thing when they were uh, looking at Ninoy and the way he talked. Uh, the way he talked, the way he conducted himself, and the way he became this um, the face of the opposition uh, uh, at that time. So when he was shot dead, everybody was really gutted. Uh, good. And then when the revolution happened in EDSA, there were there was actually still there was also a string of of revolution. Uh, what do you call this? Uh, protests here. Demonstrations. Yeah, demonstrations, protests here uh, in Cebu. It didn't necessarily happen. On the same day as the Edsa Revolution, where yeah. we just took the Cuba and hey, we can do it too, and we did it. And uh, Corey was there. It was was. Um, you yeah. mentioned in our past episodes that your mom was also uh, part of the demonstrations back in the day. Yes, my mom and dad. So, what yeah. do you? What have you heard? And we're not going to ask Tita right now because he ha- she has other. <laughs> more significant things to do in her life rather than you asking think, her. But what happened? Like, what have you learned from your mom during those times in Cebu? Because again, we only know what's happening in Manila, but what was happening in Cebu? She was young then. And uh, from her, from what I gathered from her stories, Kai, uh, I think she really, really felt there's there's this oneness you feel about um, uh, when when they heard started hearing about the Edsa Revolution, it also sparked that um, that passion in them. Uh, in that sense, Gani, it's weird to think of my mom as passionate, but th- th- that was you know the, I think that was the case. And I think the most my most vivid recollection was that there were also tanks here. Oh wow, really? Uh, deployed? Yeah, there were also tanks here deployed, and uh, um, but dili siya pareha sa Manila nga. They were really kind of on the streets, ba? Because if the tanks here went to the street, naguba na na mga island sa Jones. It yeah, be, true, true, true. <laughs> it would be devastating. Kagagmay kitang mga dandere. And um, but there were tanks now, and there were helicopters. And I remember my mother telling so ready. Me, oh, ready kids sila. And I remember my mother telling me, and of course they had to be ready because they knew Corey was here. Oh wow! So murag, uh, they had to be ready, and uh, um, they knew Corey was here, which means uh, in their heads, murag, Corey by herself can start that revolution in in Cebu, that the protests in Cebu, and they don't want to have to fight two. F- Two, two uh, revolutions at the same time. One in Manila and one in Cebu. Yeah. Major city centers. That's you know bad um, logistically speaking. Ba? So uh, they were they were preparing here. And I think my most vivid recollection of when my mother and father were um, joining the protest here was they also felt what it's like to be water bombed. How big kanang, was the rally? In oh, uh, I, I or was it like kanang typical nato good? You know, we do rallies. I I don't know. The nineties, I remember they would go to Fuente Osmeña. Oh yeah, inana. There were a lot of people in Fuente uh, at the time. Um, hundreds to thousands, most likely, but not as massive as the crowds in Edsa because that was that was really. Um, if we looked at footage, kay grabi gito ang ang population ng 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 Mas grabi pa sa sinulog celebration. 
or grabe um, jud ang sinulog. Murag na ang squad. If sinulog was like wow daghan kayo. Murag more or less ingana. Um inana gyud siya. So grabe, grabe. Yeah. Ma-overwhelm daw magkarita sa crowd sa sinulog, di ba? So Really? Can you imagine if you're there and odds ma-overwhelmed ko sa crowd sa sinulog eh. I mean I'm like nope, not for me, not for it me. It was fun for me to a point nga murag nay magstampede per people were like dancing with the music and then at some point you just wave with the crowd but then kwan siguro katong last few years of the part, street party uh, thing katong early days dili pa kayto pero katong mga circa 2018 2017 grabe kayto tawo that was like scary i was at home but i was just reading about and seeing all the stuff well i got sick but yeah like you're old well, geriatric millennial so duh but yeah, going back, you know, the same kind of okay. uh, people. But in Cebu, it was Dagan Gapugtao, and it was again led by members of the Catholic Church as the same as, so, uh, as EDSA. And, just uh, like the yeah. 1898 revolution, which is which marked the Philippine Independence Day, it was, it, it, well, hearing right now with our conversation at the moment, it seems like it's more or less the same with all the series of violence and electoral fraud yeah. and, um, well, wala nam slave-slave karon pero you know, you do get what I mean. But the abuses were, they just transcend through time. Grabe. Hinoon ang nakalahi sa una o karon kay people were, it was led mostly by by nuns, right? Sa EDSA. And that's why, like, the, we talked about this, the why the Mother Mary has become, like, the symbol uh, yeah, of yeah. the whole thing. And, um, so that's 1986, uh, 1986, 1986 yeah. EDSA revolution, which is still asking for independence because at that moment, technically, this is textbook again. Yes. It was, we were under martial law, right? Um, no, lifted ng martial law. I lifted ng uh, martial law. Ato. But we were under a Marcos regime. Ah, Marcos so, regime. Yeah. So, um, which is kind of ironic now that that happened and now that our current president is Bongbong Marcos. And uh, I don't know the details anymore because, again, just like the past Filipinos, life goes on for most of us. And we just really have, most especially the inflation, tagpila na ang diesel karon 100 pesos na. Yes. Mauna, nagpahatud ka sa office. Wow. Like a princess. Yes. Um, do you get what I mean? Like, um, as a logical objective, no malicious, no opinions, what is happening right now? Like, I'd like you to talk about the irony of the whole situation without really being so biased about it. Uh, in a, in my most, in my, in a very objective way, it's not actually ironic because if you, um, looking back throughout history, going back to Kwana, going back to the Philipp- during the time of the Philippine Revolution, remember that yes, in eighteen the eighteen hundreds. The towns, the municipalities, um, communities were ruled by very few elite families. And for some reason, after the Spanish left and the Americans came in, these structures have never changed. We are still ruled by a very few families. And right now, kay, these families are just in the political scene. So that's why we don't think of them as, as um, elite families anymore. We just think of them as politicians. But if you think about it, these are the same families that have been running the show for, you know, a century already. And uh, they've been doing this for, for many, many years, uh, for many, many presidents. And um, Beginning 1898, right? Yeah, it's always been their interests first before the interest of the, the general population. That's how it's always been. So in a sense, um, 
ironic siya because you know we were fighting for our, uh, independence and then we had to fight for it again but if you think about it it's always been uh, the, the, the decisions that got us here have been made by the decisions of these wealthy families uh, in the different Kuan uh, Karun if you if you take a look at um, the uni team Kanikambong Marcos is actually composed of families that are um, kanang pinaka grabbing ang mga families sa ilahang kwan like you have the Arroyos, uh, the Macapagals, uh, which is kanang two, basically a marriage of, Gloria Macapagal Arroyo is a marriage of two mm-hmm. very distinguished families. Old, old blood yun na siya. Macapagal, mga Arroyo, mga Shindero, Mistizo, kwan kita sila. So they were part, like if you think about it, their lineage goes way back. Way, way back. Like 1700s. Way, way back. Part of the Mestizo class that we're talking about Inana. that has been governing towns as well, right? Yes, yes. Okay. And we have the Estradas, although they're not, you know, um, they're not old blood, but still the same, but they rose to power. Their family gained wealth and then they established themselves as a ruling class. So um, these are very, uh, the, the family, so Macapagal uh, Arroyo, Estrada, um, the, the Revillas are also very um, well-known, prominent, fam- a fa- prominent family in in Cavite, the Marcoses mm-hmm. are a prominent family in Ilocos, and the Romualdeses are a prominent family in, in Region 8. So, think about it, ba. And these are interests of a few wealthy families, fam- influential people, and, and uh, yeah. Whose lineages go- dates back to even before the Philippines. So, it's always been their interests before us. And uh, in that, if you look at it that way, it's not really that ironic, you'd to be honest. Okay, so it's so what you're saying is, in layman's term, history has repeated itself and it's just like a pattern. Human behavior, yeah, that's right. At some point. And it's just human behavior, if you ask me. So what are we saying now? As much as we want to do like opinions, but I don't want to go there because I'm just tired. I'm tired of editing. I'm tired of <laughs> truthful, but at the same time, we're not going to be lashing out our opinions and ignorance at some point. But what does it really represent today? This 124th Independence Day of the Philippines in a historical point of view? I think it should still very much uh, reflect the same thing that um, independence independence from foreign, foreign power, mm-hmm. it still should mean the same thing because um, really the liberties we enjoy today, we'll, we would never have gotten it if, if it weren't for a few individuals like Bonifacio Aguinaldo and you know uh, uh, Rizal. I mean, sure, we botched we botched it for the next few decades because, well, if we didn't botch it, we will not we won't be poor now, you know. But sure, we botched it for the next few decades. But the thing is, we have that foot at the door already. We're already independent. We're free from from external from third party um goodbye, and that that's that's a thing that should be celebrated uh, because there are countries that um, are still fighting for it. In the midst of fighting for it, there are countries that are that don't know that they are uh, they don't have the freedoms. Like that's true. Uh, say you know China is a, a very very contr- uh, state controlled. The, the population is very much controlled um, by the by the state or governed by the state. And they are free in a sense with their thoughts and everything. So there are people who do not enjoy the same liberties as us. And mm-hmm. we should think back to 1898 and thank these people because they paved the way that way for us. I mean, 1986 would not have been possible if ideas of liberty and freedom had not been embedded with us 100 years prior. And all triggered by Jose Rizal. Yes. Right? Luigi, kalang segue lang ba? Maluwi ko na Rizal. 
dili siya part sa KKK but gi-recruit na siya ni Bonifacio di magkatawa lang ko kwani good kay kalang even sa kamong among klase mo magkatawa jud ko ni kay na among good siya the reason why he was executed kay he was branded a member or a leader of the KKK even though he was not. And so you, fake news. Oh, fake news. But you know why? Who contributed to that fake news? Silang Bonifacio mismo because when they talk with their members, naman na mga secret code and everything, they use Jose Rizal's name as the secret code. You put the Spanish regime, Marcos regime or whatever it is. If you really think about it, ba, we have this thing with inside conflict no always always very tribal so like all i could say is like it really dates back to pre-colonial and i will always say this and this is the same with any marine science or scientific whatever location and environment really does affect species or organism behavior culture everything yes that means if the philippines is shaped as an archipelagic um, archipelagical uh, country and uh, you look at Google Maps or any map that you have from to, from 1995, you will see that we are, uh, most especially in the Visayas, is a group of islands um, separated with yeah. uh, channels and channels of, of, of inter-island seas. Of course, tribal gud kaayo og batasan. And, which is funny because I have friends and I have colleagues in the past where, you know, the OFWs, yeah. you know, like the people who would work outside because there are better opportunities, they will always tell me, and I mean always, I tell you it's 100%, they will always tell me, nga ang mo stabragid si imong back kay Pinoy Rapod. Which is, I don't know, like it's just our, maybe a tribal. inbred Like it's just part of our thing. I guess. But is that a Filipino thing or a human thing? I think that's. I think it really depends on, uh, again, where you're coming from. So it doesn't necessarily mean like Filipinos. For sure, nasaing anag batasan gamay siguro in Japan. Like, but that's another like a different expertise. But if you think about it, amplified chadrino, amplified. Um, even here, like I told you about Odette, right? Odette yeah. practically just flattened Cebu and yeah, pagkaugma ang mga clients. Really? Na-flatten mo? Pass na lang project niya. Imagine the day after Odette. <laughs> kahas. Like, and I could really feel like, grabe, unsa naman lang. Karang, karang, do you get what I mean? Like, yes. we're not really a minority, but at some point, it has always been a struggle of power. It doesn't like necessarily it. mean it's it's political power, but it's a struggle of whoever is dominating. Yeah. I mean, I'm if I'm the client, I'm paying you shit. You told me December 18 is going to be <laughs> the deadline, and now it's December 17, where's the project? But uh, they failed to understand the whole nature, but it's also not their business as well. So yeah. it has always been geographical. It's always been what type of environment we come from and history repeats itself but it doesn't mean it's hopeless no right no it doesn't okay yeah if you think about it revolution you said that yourself it's a group of conios <laughs> it's a group of fuckboys it's a group of people coming from elite uh, ruling families who decided they want change. Yeah. Or in it lang yung Pilipinas. Man, as lang mabuhat silang kinabuhi. I don't know. I have no idea. I cannot represent them. But if you think about it, there's still hope. And it's unfair for everything just to give up. I guess like, ah, wala rin na. Public holiday. Whatever. It needs to be reminded like, hey, bitch, you live here. You live here. Panghuga sa gapil. Ay, karayana ba? Karayana ka dating. So, that's just for me. Like, um, I'm not 
really a political person or expert with expertise like history is actually one of the least pro- subjects that I I did not grow up to be yeah. a, you know I don't like history growing yeah. up yeah it's also that one of our common friend actually said like history is just like sham or bogus <laughs> or whatever um, but in, in my case it's also kind of arrogant to say like you know what like um, it doesn't really the, the, the irony of that is um, because it was because the way history is thought is so bad or structure systemically speaking it's also um, the reason why we never really learn much from mm-hmm. uh, our history as a people no. you know um, you mean identity yeah. or issue po ni. Self- I mean there, there's a reason why ang ang insect when when you put a china a china man a chinese uh, anywhere in the world kay mura grounded kay siya paka chinese there will always be a chinese community wherever you go in the world because ang uh, ilaha the way they learn about their people's history and stuff like that so well grounded sila in terms of identity ba mo na ang pinoy sa dibutang sa dimo abroad paspas kay ta mo adapt like ang mga pinoy paspas kay mahimong amerikano mo na mo ingon ta nga ah, nakalarga lang ni sa amerika di na ni ka there's always that sentiment ba? issues po na sa filams karon with gen z like they're being judged out okay, because they don't come from the mainland exactly you know, from the philippines but if you're a, if you're if you're a second generation chinese living abroad you still have that more claim but that the chinese kwan ganit that identity grabe kwan gid siya kanang um dili gid nimo siya ma ma bother gid and that's also the same for jewish jewish communities but that's also the landlocked man good if you think about it i mean i'm not looking for excuses but if you think about it china is a landlocked land oh, yeah that's also one country yeah. and then philippines i remember this when i was 10 years old 9 years old it was taught that the philippines is is composed of three different group of peoples people some in indigenous it's the malays oh. the indones and the negritos or like the negritos. the aborigines um and kana palang daan different than ang tribes living in different parts of the philippines kana palang daan these those are colonists at some point on the Philippine country is a land. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And they look different because the the Negritos uh, peoples were had curly hair. Mojo on curly hair, dark skinned, um, flat nose. Mojo on permis among teachers which is basically what the Polynesian, um, Austronesian look like. The aboriginals pa. That's what the... And then here comes like the Indos and Malays. Uh, Indos, Indones is like the people from Indonesia, which is brown skin. But more on the light-skinned area uh, category, skin tone. Yeah. And then here comes the Malays, which is basically how I understand it. Uh, the darker South Asians. South Asians pa. Uh, and then it's, it's just Philippines is just a mixture of everything. And that's why maybe identity like do you have self-identity do you have there's no identity at some point because we are diverse and we just don't we but that's the thing we weren't really told yeah it's such a diverse um mixture of everything else yeah and that becomes a filipino that's it that's practically it i mean yeah pero more like because of our geogra- geography and our uh, where we're coming from, I guess it's difficult. Okay, ikaw palang daan o. You said in Mindanao, they always they already have their tribal wars happening. Andres Bonifacio had to fuck up for his ass. Bitaw, gaw mong gudi ah. 
Kanakani gi gi interrogate si Rizal baka. You're are you a leader of the the KKK? No. Yang ano imo mang pangan gigamit as kuan as uh, password ni si Rizal baka. Bisti gini si. Mudi pasya. Eh ako ako na si Masulti ni. Ako ning i ako ning ano. Ako ning i i sensor. Murajuk si. Mauro gina Masulti. Murajuk si. Si Andres Brifasho. Kaya na namong kasi. Namo. Anyway. Do you have anything else to complain about courts after our uh, really good and long um, Independence Day well, special? Um, going back, not to the just going back to the relationship, the irony uh, between mm-hmm. the two revolutions that we were talking about, the 1890s uh, Independence Day and Edsa. Uh, um, I think back then um, the ruling class had a, an obligation to take care of us, and they primarily had good intentions for the independence. Good. And that thing, and uh, we needed them to lead the way, and that was good. And but right now, you know, with technology, I mean, we're not just relying on newspapers and town criers and posters uh, for Christ's sake. We have the technology available, you know, at our disposal. But there's, you know, and and uh, it's there are forums. There's Reddit. <laughs> there's the dark web. The, the dark web. Um, kana lang yun. Um, there are chat rooms in LOL. Napa de LOL? League of Legends, oh napa? So okay. But yeah, ano nga siya? Um, information right now is, which is also a bad thing. Eh? Too much information is. Yeah, bad. it's it's hyper, ano yeah. hyper. But social. you know, um, I think the fight good. Um, where we might not be fighting anymore against foreign powers or uh, you know, other countries. But I think the fight now. Is digital and information uh, where information is you know ninety yeah. percent of information is available. Res- resources na karon. Resources na and resources and space and like yeah. It's a harder, much you know, difficult na na fight, but um, one we should never give up on. Uh, always. Now all I'm saying, no, all I'm saying is usas mga rason nga no gira gira pagka Abril. <laughs> tungod sa kainit, tanawa, nag-global warming, nag-Filipino activities, napot sila tanong. <laughs> Filipino. Filipino activities. Filipino behavior. Lariya, kaway riya, sige, sumagay riya, ano mga yan na, dahil mo rin mga taga. Anyway. And that ends our 69 question, uh, questions with Mr. Historian Quartz Cortez. And now that's time for last call confessions. Anything you want to share other than that, Quartz? Your sweet dreams, wet dreams and aspirations, very violent reactions? My dream is to become Dylan. Uh Just a violent reaction to <laughs> be being geriatric uh, millennial. I just want to make it clear that I was born in 1989 and your lovely Girl. host, Alfeca, <laughs> Did you know? Did, did you know? Did you know? For me, no. Did you know that, like, so TikTok, anyone who's born on 1998 and then below is already. Old. Oh my God! 1998. That's like nine years. Yeah, okay. you might be forgetting, huh? People were born in 2000. It's already 22 years old this year. Can you imagine uh, people born in 2000? Some of the people who were born in the year 2000 are actually parents. Oh, well, now. duh. <laughs> kani, kani. Didn't you know that the people born in 2020 are now three years old? Two years old? Holy shit. Oh. <laughs> so fucking... 
Happy birthday to Anne Margaret Indy Krepsley Naval. Is she celebrating yes. her birthday right now, which is June 10th and recording now? And also to John Wynn of Mango Avenue looking for hot alpha females, preferably Taurus, Libra, Leo Cancer, and Aquarius for some safe, loving Gemini beta boys be banging. What else? So patong yung shout out for Gidoka nako. I'm actually too fat and uh, too fucking depressed for this shit. Wagi kay shout out diha Cortez, imo mga office wives and husbands for sure. Wala. Ah, um, grabe na sa duwa. Wala, shout out to, to me for doing a good job today. Oh yeah, okay. Okay, or you Snoop okay. Dogg. <laughs> I want to thank me. <laughs> Sorry. Kwan, um if promote na lang siguro. Yeah, congratulations. Congratulations. You finally ah. Are out of that rut, and because of who again? Did I say? Did I hear a thank you here? Thank you, Dako Ganina, before that. But you know what? For the purposes of this podcast, I will thank you again. <laughs> thank you, Pikai, for for what? Nudging me forward and uh, helping me achieve what? Uh, a better version. Of no, myself. a positive net worth. Fuck better version. A positive net worth. <laughs> Fuck better version. Positive net worth. Positive net worth as long as the company shuttle ferries me to Oh, like a princess. House. Oh my god. <laughs> because 100 peso gasoline prices is just negative. And besides, you're, you're, you're maybe too, too what? Was it too salty? Too blank for PWD? Uh, not PWD enough. <laughs> you're not PWD enough. But apart from zero PWD, like you can't twist your neck na good after the know. surgery. Maybe I have to come into the SSS office limping siguro, no, with a visible limp so that you can really... You need to sell yourself. <laughs> sell yourself. <laughs> it's all about the branding, you know. Oh, and also happy birthday to Mark Helig. This guy, I owe what's left of my supposed life in, in the early 10s. Because, girl, baby, listen to me. Be careful of all the brownies that's offered to you. Most especially if it's free. And when I mean brownies, you know what I mean. Because you might end up having an allergic reaction to it and end up randomly throwing up on some stranger's poor fucking shoes. So, again, I owe you my life. <laughs> God, I have so many regrets. Seriously, what the fuck? We are Podcast Historias with me, Alfaka Perpetua, and this is your late night radio comedy talk show feature commentary and interviews that top the top five, top 50, and top 100 podcasting charts all over the world on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, even reaching number three. I mean, why reach number one when you can reach number three? Right? Why make billions when you can make millions? <laughs> can make millions. <laughs> Genuinely grateful though. We're like five years or something already. And that makes you fucking old, Quartz, right? Geriatric millennial. Shut up, you're two years old. Good thing I'm still very young and very beautiful. All thanks to Lan- Lana Del Rey. Keep listening and streaming the podcast show you didn't ask for. But girl, honey, we are the podcast you deserve. Wagi chance. Wagi choice. Yes. We are here to stay, motherfuckers. And you know what? We have said bad words, you know? <laughs> so I think this episode is going to be rated 21 because this is not okay. I'm supposed to be wholesome and shit. I mean, can you fucking support my path to wholesomeness, Cortez? No. Uh, Wagi support, as no, usual. No, I won't. Mag-hole na lang ka. Mag-hole operations manager. Manager na lang ka. Wagi ka lang imong path to... To angelic and innocent self, my soul is like a newborn's baby. I mean, if an egg is rotten, there's no chance for it to become unrotten. No, a rotten egg is nutrition to plants. (laughs) But 
delicious, yeah, but it's never gonna become unrotten, yeah. Of all the things that I've done for you, like uh, campaigning that you're a historian and getting all these for. invites, do I'm I deserve? Do I deserve this kind of treatment? I I hyped you like shit to get that fucking promotion. Do I deserve this kind you, of treatment? You you hyped me, but you 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 do twice the harm. Oh shut the fuck up! But I gave you a flashlight and I, you don't wash it I don't, I don't and use understand. it multiple times I, I don't know what a flashlight is I've never seen one I can't confirm tune in next time for another 69 questions lick follow and subscribe to Podcast Historias just look for the red lips bitch bye guys bye courts bye bye to the audience Oy. goodbye audience goodbye <laughs>